This is the Constructionist Podcast, where we take ancient stories, the person of Jesus, current events and topics, and help you construct a new Christian worldview that's relevant and loving to those around you. I'm your host, Kevin Bates. I'm a semiotician and community builder looking at the signs of the times to build a better future together. You are tuned into the Constructionist Podcast, and tonight we are continuing our series on the Book of Mark. We encourage a worldview here at the Constructionist that is built on the principles of Christ. And in this episode, we will be examining the life of Christ through a clear and honest lens. So by doing so, we hope to offer insights and perspectives, some you might not have ever heard before, that will help you on your journey towards a greater understanding of love and compassion for yourself and others. We want to assure you that in tonight's episode, we are not going to be fabricating anything as many have done. So any information or ideas that we give will reference where we got them. And if we do make a guess, we're going to tell you we're guessing. Our goal is to provide an honest and authentic perspective on our examination of the text. So this is our thinking space, we call it where we're presenting ideas and thoughts, and tonight we're making our best attempt to explain very practical theologies to live by. So if you enjoy the Constructionist podcast and want to support us financially, please follow the link in the chat or the show notes on the social media platform you're listening to, and visit our Give page on that link. You can also support us through our Patreon page at The Constructionists. So your support will enable us to continue producing high-quality content like this. But even more, we want to hear from you. We want to engage with you. We believe that through our interactions and discussions with listeners like you, we can continue to learn and grow together and develop what we call a communal hermeneutic. So we value your feedback, your questions, your ideas, and we are excited to build a community around our shared exploration. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us and let us know what you think. All right, we are in Mark 12 today. We ended on Mark 12 in the greatest commandment, and we're gonna continue that and hopefully get through the end of chapter 12 today. So if you wanna reference that in a device that you are looking at or in a Bible that you have, we're using the contemporary English Bible, but we're also common, interpreting the common English Bible. Common English Bible, sorry common English Bible, and we are interpreting some things from the Greek and when we're in the Old Testament from the Hebrew. So we want you to know that we go back to the original language. So Sharia and Jake, thanks for joining me tonight as we continue our, our Mark series. And so we're in Mark chapter 12. So let's pick up where we left off. And, and please, Sharia, would you mind reading for us first let's start with the beginning of the greatest command yeah greatest command the beginning okay so that's twelve twenty-eight. is that going to be popping up on the screen thanks rob one of the legal experts heard their dispute and saw how well jesus answered them he came over and asked him which commandment is the most important of all jesus replied the most important one is israel listen our God is the one Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
The second is this, you will love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The legal expert said to him, well said teacher, you have truthfully said that God is one and there is no other besides him. And to love God with all of the heart, a full understanding and all of one's strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more important than all kinds of entirely burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw, saw that he had answered with wisdom, he said to him, you aren't far from God's kingdom. After that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Mm. So that's kind of the shutdown ending there, I think. Well, we, we kind of ended on the loving yourself. So it says in the scripture there to love your neighbor as yourself. And we kind of broached on the idea that loving others is a form of loving God and loving God, we will love others. So we just kind of crested that. So we need to go back to that too. But I think that in order to love other people, we have to have some self-awareness and we have to have some space and some time and thought awareness about like how we treat ourselves and, and what we treat ourselves with. I think that there's tangible things that we can do and there's also negative self-talk that we can have. So some things are very tangible. Some things are just kind of trapped in our own head of how we treat ourselves. So treating ourselves well to me would be a positive framework of thought that we have and also a positive set of tangible ideas that we adopt or practice or do in our life. So let's talk about that a little bit. I don't know what all that you two do to love yourself, um, but maybe you can give some thoughts or ideas on some practices that we can have, some tangible practices, but also what does that mean to love yourself? Like just philosophically, what does it mean? That's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> I think some of the easy basics are just um, like looking after your physical health, things like getting enough sleep, mm -hmm. getting hydration, eating good food right. when you can, um, getting some movement, um, even just 15 minutes of, of movement or activity is really impactful for mental health. Um, so those things are a great place to start. Um, for me personally, I need to get my hands in the dirt and plant some plants and watch them right. grow. You've um, told us that before. Like, what does that what does that do for you? Like, when you garden or you, well, I don't know if you garden or you plant trees or like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, all of the above. <laughs> if it's a plant, okay. I will plant it. All right. Um, yeah. I I think for me it's um, connection to something bigger than me. Um, one of the things I'm trying to focus on is um, native plants and native ecosystems. Um, and so trying to be a part of that to facilitate a healthy ecosystem, even if it's only in my own yard, um, hmm. gives me a sense of connectedness. Okay. So when you 
produce a natural ecosystem that you are within, like your home, mm -hmm. um, you, th you feel connected somehow to the earth. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And that makes you feel good about who you are. Mm -hmm. In a sense, in an indirect way. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jake, why don't you give us some insights on, on loving self? Um, I think being creative is one part of it and also resting is another big, a big aspect of, of loving yourself when you, when you go back even to the creation narrative, mm -hmm. God created and then God rested. And that was the, that was the whole purpose of being that we create. And then we go into a season of, of rest as well. And so throughout the Old Testament and part of the New Testament, it talks about the idea of Sabbath, the, mm. the Sabbath rest. And that, that doesn't have to be this passive action. It can be, it can be anything that gives you joy, brings joy, brings peace to community. But also a caveat with Sabbath is that it takes from no one else. And so with, mm. right. with, with Sabbath and, and looking at, at who benefits the most from it, even though you're resting, you are, you are letting your, your most poor neighbors rest as well. So if, if we all didn't shop on one certain day, then everyone would have to pause as well on that certain day. That, that's like old blue laws from a long time ago. Um, right, there, right. There was the very negative things, but also very, very positive aspects as well to it that, that we had to end economic commerce on one day so that the migrant worker, the poor, the animals, um, at the time that those could rest as well, that we weren't just running people into the ground because the people that could afford to rest were the ones that took that rest. And so the right, the and that's the thing is, is, is rest or even what we're talking about is a very privileged conversation, you know, even having land to be able to cultivate, mm -hmm. to create an ecosystem in, to have that opportunity is, um, I think a privileged, uh, conversation. I mean, I have land too. I can, I can go cultivate. I don't, but I can go cultivate, uh, you know, a garden myself a too. So, garden. right, right. And, um, and even the idea of taking a day off, you know, for the single parent who, you know, works two jobs, seven days a week, just to make it because there's not another person, you know, taking half the load or, or whatever the cause of that disparity is. I think, I think it is a privileged conversation and in our privilege, um, I think when we love ourselves, we can love others better when we take the privilege and utilize it for like goodness. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have a problem in our society. I think that the privilege, like I, I'm privileged or I have a right to garden or to rest, I have this right, and then I only use it for myself. 
um, that's not necessarily loving self. That's just doing more. Uh, that's selfish in a sense, um, the language of selfishness. So I think utilizing or having the heart to utilize whatever our privilege is to love ourselves in order to love others. I think that that's the, is that the reciprocate? That's the, that's the flow out mm-hmm. um, of what we have. Yeah. So go on, Jake, you were going to say more. If you look at your rate of consumption and really loving yourself is not, is not to over consume. That's, that's a whole nother problem of that we fall into a lot of obesity and diabetes and heart disease and, 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 and so really loving yourself and knowing and knowing about your consumption and what you take in, the more that you rest from that consumption, the more you're giving to loving other people in that as well. Mm. That our, our purchasing puts people into poverty and our pur- purchasing also takes people out of poverty. Mm. So let's just talk about this subject just um, because we've talked about emotions. We've talked about um, mental illness before in this podcast, but there, there is something to um, depression and then just the, the collapse to the inside where when we're depressed uh, that we are inward focused where we, where we just, we just focus our thought life and our negative thought life into self. And, and, you know, that's people, everyone goes through that. Everyone experiences that, but when it becomes chronic or when it becomes clinical, that's when it, you know, is, is more termed a mental um, illness or mental dysfunction. So uh, lower serotonin levels have always been thought to cause depression, which is no longer like necessarily true. Um, you know, people have lower serotonin levels than others that aren't depressed. Uh, I think it's more how do we utilize our serotonin versus uh, necessarily lower or higher serotonin levels. There's uh, serotonin uptake inhibitors that definitely maintain serotonin levels in the brain, but they're starting to think in the research that depression is more tied to dopamine and dopamine releases and such. Um, And I'm sure that there's a, a neurobiological sense as well to the science that uh, it's a mix of all of this. Uh, But one caveat or one thought that is pretty consistent through all like depression research and such is, is when we move, when we eat, when we get sunlight, when, when our eyes actually are in the sun, um, that we actually are, are, are changing our neurobiology and our biology in general, when we do these things. Oh, and sleep. Yes. And with, you know, especially men and testosterone levels during 
nighttime sleep, REM sleep in your ability to just create and be able to, uh, to be able to think on a, on a, uh, on a, a regular basis. Um, that all is dependent on sleep. Um, so if you're not getting sleep, if you're not able to move, if you're not like Sharia said, just eating well when you can, um, or getting out in the air and you feel, um, and because of all that, you're experiencing a low level, low grade of depression. My recommendation is that we would go to a licensed counselor, licensed professional counselor to be able to work through some of the issues that we're facing and what's causing um, the depression. But this definitely has a direct effect on loving self. And whether we A, feel worth it, whether we B, feel like we have the time for it, energy for it, you know, what am I supposed to do with it, you know, loving self. So I think that depression, because it's just so prevalent in our society today, um, and clinically people are, are, you know, increasing in the diagnosis of depression over a period of decades here that it makes sense that that the loving of self would just be voided it would be a void so i think that i think for me loving myself with all of my own mental stuff that i have just in you know who i am i think more it has to do any more with space. And do I have space to think? I've always been that Christian person, that evangelical Christian person. Now I'm ex-evangelical Christian person. But now I, when I was evangelical Christian person, there was prayer and there was Bible reading. And if you didn't do your prayer Bible reading, go to church and, you know, some group and serve in ministry on Sunday morning for the church, that somehow you were less than, somehow you weren't hitting the mark with your Christianity. And, and so then you would lie and say, oh yeah, I pray. Or you would lie and say, oh yeah, I read my Bible. Um, and then you'd get into Bible trivia and you try to do your very best, you know, because you wanted people to be impressed by your Bible knowledge. And, and so so we had this checklist to be a good Christian. You had these like five simple things that you did. Prayer has always been one of those things that I've just struggled with. You know, if my, if my salvation was based on prayer, I would be in the lowest levels of hell. So, so that's where I would be. Um, so I'm starting to think today as we're having this discussion and other discussions that I've had this week about prayer that we haven't promoted enough silence and we haven't promoted enough thinking space. And I think part of me, Kevin Bates, loving myself means that I would have a level of silence and thinking space that I could just think of the next thing that I need to do or to accomplish or to, to be. What do you guys think of that? 
I think that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> um, Shreya, what can you speak to on Enneagram and rest? Oh. Um, probably quite a bit, but it's, um, can you, can you get more specific? Like, where do you want to go with that? <laughs> you can't get more specific. All right. Um, Sorry, I had to fix my audio real fast. Um, okay. So Kevin's a seven, probably. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a very seven thing. As to I say as I do it, as I as I quickly look up enneagram and rest um, uh-huh. via type, mm-hmm. like that. See, it was verbatim. It was verbatim almost what was coming out of his mouth to what was. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And so. Okay. And I, I think I, I saw this post oh, like last week and it talked about rest or self self care and mm-hmm. what your Enneagram is. So as a seven, you need rest and silence because you're talking a lot and you're the mm-hmm. enthusiast. Okay. So Can you talk to any more about like different types and what they might need? Because you you know a lot more about Enneagram than like the both of us do. Um, so I can think of of two numbers that do stand out, um, and actually three. But I, you and me, Jake, I'm pretty sure we represent both of them. So um, I'm a five on the Enneagram, and the way that relates to my energy levels is that I have a set measured amount for each day. Um, It doesn't roll over. It doesn't like once it's out, it's out until the next day. Um, And so that means I, I need to make sure that I have space or quiet or sleep or whatever that looks like each day. um, Cause I can't save it up for when I need it. Um, and Jake, I'm pretty sure you're an eight. Is that correct? As far as I'm, I'm aware. Yes. Yeah. Um, eights are considered one of the, um, highest energy, um, numbers on the Enneagram. So congratulations (laughs) for that. Um, Beyond that, I can't what speak it, what to... Is, what is congratulations to eight? What is... Having uh, one of the highest energy levels on the Enneagram. Oh, I know, it drives me nuts. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I can't necessarily speak to your needs for rest. Um, but then the other one that comes up is nine, and nine is considered to have the lowest energy level on the Enneagram. And so that's also going to mean something for... The amount of rest that somebody needs well like your self-care and rest so like when i if i look at a four they mm-hmm. have to be can for their best rest or their best health self-care is connected with your physical or the physical world so like mm-hmm. working out or working in your garden that's like verbatim which is funny um and now so, before we continue before we continue with the enneagram it isn't it responsible to say that just type-based personality or or type-based 
like these kinds of things, whether you're talking about a um, Myers-Briggs ENFP, that's what I am, number seven on the Enneagram, that, to actually use these <laughs> as psychometrics is, I mean, they're just general, aren't they, wouldn't you classify these as general talking points about how people operate and personality versus like quantifiable data in psychometrics. They're descriptive, not prescriptive. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to clarify as, better you know, than others, but also yeah, Enneagram is really yeah. dynamic and complex. And there are so many other things you can look at just besides your number um, that it does kind of account for a lot of complexity. Okay. Now, there just a just a side note. Some Christians believe the enneagram is, you know, evil, and comes that's probably from because of the. <laughs> My theory is that that's because of the diagram. Yeah, that's a good one. It looks like a well, the diagram. Looks like I, a pentagram, yeah. and it freaks people yeah. out. Yeah. Well, and I'm just saying that because I mean, just to just to give note to that that some people have never heard of the enneagram. Mm -hmm. Um. Some people have, so look it up, E-N-N, -N, so Enneagram. Um, and so you could do your own research or your own reading on it. Some people think it's evil. Some people think it's, you know, from demonic channeling or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but not really. People do. But lots of people think that lots of things are from demonic channeling. Um, and so I just want to make sure that that personality testing or type based uh, testing, we have to be very careful because it's not psychology. Some are, some are. Like? Well, Jungian psychology and the Myers-Briggs, that's what it's all based on. And so like... Myers-Briggs is probably the most psychologically backed personality inventory, but it's, it's only. Well, I've had some psychologists totally disagree with that. I don't want to disagree with you. I, I'm just saying that psychologists yeah. disagree with that because of I, maybe what's been done with it. I think it's more about what has been done with it because it's like, I keep, like it is descriptive, not prescriptive. So like mm -hmm. if you're a, Sorry, your your voices, your your uh, sound is kind of crackly. If you're a certain type or a certain number, or you're a lion or a bear or whatever you're gonna be, golden retriever, I forget what all all of them are, otter. Um, if you're a D on the disc or whatever, whatever personality inventory you are, is it is it are there are there some psychology based on yes but it it is a basis to understanding yourself with all of your idiosyncrasies and quirks and it is not to say that you have to act a certain way mm -hmm. or you are destined to be this way or dysfunctions you have are based upon this and so there's no reason for you to change yeah i think I think that 
It's like the biggest. I think one what I think you said at the. Up. I think what you said at the beginning about prescriptive versus descriptive, is is really important, because a lot of times people and I've watched people just just observing that people use tools like this as a prescriptive method to overcome certain dysfunctions or overcome certain um, trends in their life. Now, I think that if you understand yourself, you can put in other practices and tools, but just knowing your personality number on the Enneagram does nothing for your brain besides understand a little bit more why you act the way that you do. But you still need to go to a licensed professional counselor to work through your crap. So I, I think that I think that just people use these tools like, okay, I got my I got my Myers Briggs number or my Myers Briggs letters dialed in. And so therefore I can live a successful mental healthy mentally healthy life and i think that that's really um more a prescriptive look because i know i know psychologists who use the tools but but not as a not in psychotherapy necessarily like the actual like therapy to getting more mentally healthy and maybe i'm wrong i'm i'm, I'm just kind of speaking thinking out loud um I just want to make sure that the Enneagram, when we start using these terms and saying, uh, uh, using these methods or, or talking about these methods that we give it proper weight. Can I just say that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's not a, it's not scripture. Well, it might be more than scripture <laughs> in a sense. It's different than scripture. No, and it is. That's a better way to is, say that. Yeah. But as I mean, I, the, the wild tangent we just went on was because we all fell into, as I, as I was reading a little bit, we all fell into the descriptive <laughs> methods of our need and how, how, what our need for rest is. Yeah. You can That's rest funny. in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> that was a wild and long tangent. I'm sorry. Totally. No, it's fine. It's fine. So our rest, Sharia, did you have any other input to give on rest, Enneagram? I don't think so. Nothing terribly okay. relevant. We brought rest up because rest is a form of loving self. Mm -hmm. And everybody experiences rest differently. I would say that some people rest when they play. Some people rest when they rest and sleep and put their feet up. Some people rest when they're doing a tangible thing. Um, and keeping their, you know, minds busy in a different realm. So we have to be careful about how we define rest for everybody. Sleep and rest are different. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm, I mean, there, that's order... a form of rest, but it's different. 
yeah there so you can you can rest by sleeping is that what you're saying no i've slept and i have not rested <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah that's very true i mean when i'm under stress you know you just wear one of those you know garmin tool watches you know on your wrist and you you look at the the metrics in the morning and you can see that uh, you know you're literally like choking Restless. out in the middle of the night because you you know you have sleep apnea that's not that's not mm -hmm. rest that's sleep but it's not rest so there's there's a difference there i think but i'm not yeah. a psychologist nor a sleep doctor so i'm just from my own experience and talking to others yeah i do have should one we more... move forward no i have, I have, have one, one more huge point on this on this okay passage. so fix your audio and let's let's move forward with your one big point luke the the very next section or the next part of this passage is Jesus is asked, who is my neighbor then? And he goes into this, this long parable of the good Samaritan that the idea that that would have been is that the Samaritan, the Samaritan is, is the biggest outside cast. Have, have we talked about Samaritans in the past? Like give like a definition for, um, well, you're paused though. You're you were muted for just a second. So I think what you were saying is that when this passage shows up in the book of Luke, not in the book of Mark, um, right. that's when it's placed before this parable of the Good Samaritan. Yes, and and how radical that next section is. It's interesting that that Mark did a different style here and, and moved on from it. Um but Luke definitely drives home who is who is my neighbor and it's the person that I that I struggle the most with in life. Mm. So why do you think Mark left that out? Probably the need it seems of the pretty important the day. to the story. Yeah, I mean does it because in Mark, it, it could, just sounds like that he says the greatest command and then is in total agreement, like the legal experts are in total agreement. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, and I think they were in agreement until, and Luke was more probably wanted to bring out the more provoking nature of Jesus' message. And whether or not it happened in this order or that the narrative fit better that Jesus told in this, the parable of the Good Samaritan was the person that that the pharisees saw as the most unclean mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i think okay. another possibility is rather than mark leaving the good samaritan out it could have been luke adding that in um because yeah. if mark was written first which is most likely um it makes more sense that luke would have more access to more information and then choose to include more information yeah, and I believe the greatest commandment is in every gospel. 
but the good Samaritan is only in one of them. Mm-hmm. And so probably for the, for the day, especially for Luke's audience, who is my neighbor? Who should I love? And it's the person mm-hmm. that you, you find the most unlovable. It just surprises me that that's not in Luke. Mark I mean, in, in Mark. It's in, it's in Luke, but it's not in Mark. That surprises it's on, it's me. It's not in Matthew and it's not in John. Yeah, so what, why, why do you think that was important for Luke? Or is that just an addition? I think Luke tends to focus um, much more on the plight of the needy than the other Gospels do. Like it's definitely a, a present topic in each of the gospels, but Luke is very focused on the experience mm-hmm. of the marginalized and what it looks like to care for them and bring them back in community. And mm-hmm. and if you follow like Luke and then then Acts, supposedly the same writer, mm-hmm. the narrative follows that it's it's this outsider group of people that will be taking it next. And so Luke is dealing with a huge a huge division in the church that he's trying to reconcile. Yeah, because it, it doesn't go outside of what Jesus would have said or could have said. It's just, did he say that? I, I just wonder sometimes when I'm reading the Bible and I see there's such a difference there and such a focus in Luke compared to Mark, and it's not in Matthew, it's not in any of the other, you know, it's nowhere else to be found except in Luke. And Luke has this special emphasis it's like, well, maybe Luke said that. But I mean, if you and if is you that okay? In... Is that okay for us? Like, are we okay with that, or just we have to be? Because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, if we went to you a, know? if we went to an event, and we all wrote down our experience, it would be different. Because mm-hmm. our focus would be different. Right. Because our enneagrams I mean, are different. In the. <laughs> Like to use um, (laughs) Isaiah, for example, um, three books in one and um, Mm. the second two are like attributed to, but more in the sense of after the tradition of the prophet Isaiah, right? Right. So if, if that story came from Luke's brain, rather than the mouth of Jesus, does it still count if it's in the tradition of Jesus? Like, yeah, it seems it's obviously be... it, it's obviously in the tradition of, wow, yeah. we're having some, yeah, I am. that was fun. Oh uh, yeah. I got to take my last image off there. Rob. <laughs> I don't I'm know sorry. what happened there, but we'll just continue. It's okay. Switch devices. So, oh no! I'll just oh, just keep that in, picture up. Oh, it's okay. There oh, we there go. you go. There we are. Thanks, Rob. Sorry. <laughs> was that you or was that Rob? It I'm on a different like computer. Jake. I'm oh. on a different computer, and I it reloads when they thinks the the web page is taking up too much data. So here I am. Oh, I see. There you are. Okay, so I I just I just think that 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 needs just a special uh, note that you know we're saying that something's in Luke but it's not in anywhere else and a special just like caveat of hey 
it's okay that this is in here and even though it's not anywhere else and maybe jesus said it maybe jesus didn't say it marcus borg probably would have redlined that one and and, and said jesus didn't say it but does that matter i think that people get so hung up on like the red letters have to mm -hmm. be consistent and have to be in order for it to be a true document um there's a lot more bigger problems with the documents than them not matching exactly with, you know, other documents. So I just, you know, since it's not in Luke, I mean, it's not in Mark and it's in Luke, I just want to bring some emphasis to that to make sure that our listeners understood that, that it could have been from Luke's perspective, but it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have that heart. And so, who is our neighbor, Jake, you mentioned that's the person that we struggle with the most, or that is the biggest outsider, the other, the biggest other in our life. And so who is that for us? I mean, can we be honest? Is that too honest just to name it? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, in general, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, because I guess Not this say is names. online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, how about with the church? I mean, when I think about the church in general, like the big C, uh, just universal, I think of right now women are under attack again. Well, they've always been under attack, but now just this special emphasis from, you know, the the – the Southern Baptist movement and making this declaration that women um, can't be in certain roles, even though they have been in certain roles. One person was in a role for 30 years, I think. And they finally, yeah, they finally kicked that church out, um, kicked Rick Warren's church out. So I think about like women being under attack, um, LGBTQ under attack, um, very hateful, very, very hateful. Like, like some things that I read and followed on social media, um, death threats and just crazy violence. Like, I'm just like, where are we? You know, if our religion equates to violence, we, we have the wrong religion. Um, if our religion equates to hate, we have the wrong religion. Christianity does not equate to violence and does not the conclusion of Christianity is not violence or hate. Um, so we really need to check those emotions uh, and really process through why we're experiencing that towards other people. But so what are some other others that we have experienced lately? Immigrants. Everybody on the political spectrum. Yeah, one side or the other, right? It just, I think it feels like like people are very much polarized right now, whatever, whatever hill they want to die on. Mm. Mm -hmm. So whatever hill they're willing to die on, that person that's basically sacrificed is that Samaritan person to them. Yeah, I think about like 
when when I'm you know standing at the pearly gates and being asked some questions doubt that'll happen but let's just for metaphor's sake go with that illustration sake um I'm not going to be judged for my neighbor's behavior and what I thought of it. I'm going to be judged on if I loved my neighbor. Mm -hmm. in, in essence, that's, you know, following the commands of Christ. You are my friends if you keep my commands. So, so I think that obedience to love is really crucial right now in Christianity that we would be our first line of obedience would be love loving our neighbor but then that takes some internal work of loving self if we can't and i think that people who hate and issue violence and um you know they're out just like hating on people posting on social media whatever their hateful memes are that there was a mayor that just stepped down he resigned because he was on some private Facebook thing, group, posting all this hate stuff. And he was out being a mayor and like outwardly showing inclusion and going along with, you know, all of the, like the, I guess the circumstance of the day, he was going yeah. along with that. And then like that day he would go back and he would post on this hate group and he would just hate on people that he just was shaking hands with in public and so that was really kind of unnerving that somebody would be that duplicitous in life so he just he just stepped down and resigned um i think that has more to do with self than the other people can i read a quotation yeah please uh, so this is attributed to thomas merton it says the beginning mm. of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves and not to twist them to fit our own image. Otherwise, we love only the reflection of ourselves we find in them. It's mm, good. Can you read that one more time? Just to embed that. Yeah, thank you. The beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves and not to twist them to fit our own image. Otherwise, we love only the reflection of ourselves we find in them. Mm. Mm. And I would say, is there is is the same true for our hate? That when we hate ourselves in certain ways, we find that in other people and we attack that in others. I'm not going to say all the I time, so. but sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times. This might be a good transition so we were... to the next slide. Oh, I was just, I was just basting in that a little bit. <laughs> I think that, but we can move on. Um, no, I think it's right there, actually. Because it's, it's the hypocrisy of it all, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. While okay. Jesus was teaching in the temple, he said, why do the legal experts say that the Christ is David's son? David himself, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right side until I turn your enemies into your footstool. David himself calls him Lord. So how can he be David's son? 
the large crowd listened to him with delight. As he was teaching, he said, watch out for the legal experts. They like to walk around in long robes. They want to be greeted with honor in the markets. They long for places of honor in the synagogues and in, in the banquets. They are the ones who cheat widows out of their homes and to show off they and to show off they say long prayers. They will be judged most harshly. Jesus sat across from the collection box for the temple treasury and observed how the crowd gave their money. Many rich people were throwing in lots of money. One poor widow came forward and put in small copper at two small copper coins worth a penny. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than everyone who's been putting money in the treasury. All of them are giving out of their spare change, but she from her hopeless poverty has given everything she had, even what she needed to live on. Hmm. Yeah, that's true that we go around like a like a legal expert of the law and we but we all do that. I mean, I want to be seen as good in public, you know. I don't want to be seen as some, mm -hmm. you know, like lamo that I'm just out there, you know, after after I'm derelict. talking, I'm just I'm just some jerk, you know, like look at that guy. Like, so I, so I, I want to present myself well. So we all present ourselves well or try to, we all try to be articulate. I mean, I don't want to be the worst prayer around the table, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's like when we're doing these things and then we're treating the widow with shame, like we're just issuing shame on the widow. Um, I think that's the, the, the comparison there. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to do your best, even if your best doesn't match your all the time. Just being honest. Mm -hmm. But what is, what is the reason for your best? Is it to do your best or is it to do, is it to be seen as the best or is it to be notarized? I mean, don't, I mean, don't you want to be seen as your best? seen as the best i mean so. what is, what's the alternative i'm gonna go out and like i want to be seen as my worst <laughs> or just not be seen what's right the alternative to not be seen i guess yeah i mean when you look at like other passages jesus said don't don't let your left hand know what your right hand gave or whatever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the action of not of not being of not drawing attention to oneself Yeah. Well, I remember my grandmother, you know, she used to like when I not look my best, you know, she's like, would you put on some nice clothes? Like where it's Christmas. You know, so, like, these, are Christmas. <laughs> I, you know, these are my eating pants. These are my eating jammies. So, so like I, I just, I just like want to have an honest perspective that I think that we're all like Pharisees. I, I think that it crosses a line when we're so fake and we're then treating the widow with, you know, I want to look my best and treat the widow with honor. I don't want to like 
look my best and, you know, stomp her down. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, it, it's, it's a term that's thrown around a little too loosely, I think, but this is the idea of like a spiritual abuse in this passage. I think you're, yeah, you're being, yeah. you're being simplistic and, and great. I think it's all true. And it can be taken as, as this person is being abused by people that, that think that they are right, righteous, the best, and not giving space for, for her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this story kind of pisses me off because nobody steps in to help the widow after she has given everything she needed to live on. Even Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like here. After that lesson, here take your take your widow's mites back, please. Like take yeah. these bites, these mites right. back. I mean, don't. We're not gonna. Thank you for being my object lesson. We're not gonna take lesson. these from you. you can, yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you for being the object lesson. Yeah. You can move well, on now. I I I get what you're saying, Jake. I do. I just wonder. Like Christians do this all the time. They take these passages, and they don't have an honest view of reality right and and i i had a professor once that like he drove a dumpy car like a really dumpy car and and he said i don't think any christian should own a a decent car i'm like why like where do you get that don't you want a good running car to get around and get i mean i understand that like well, it's just, you know, a waste of money and too showy and we should be like, and, and he would say, we need to be like that person on the side of the road, you know, that, that widow type personality. And I go, well, yeah, but like who, who is ever going to be able to give to the widow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so there is a, there is a balance here, like of our perspective of what we have and what is hoarding and materialism? What is too much? What is our version of enough? I believe we're all rich in the United States. Um, that if you have a job and you have a car and you have a, yeah, yes, in philosophy we are, mm-hmm. but not in practicality. It's, it's wrong to say we're all rich in the United States. That's, that's like practically that's wrong because poverty is relative to where you are and Mm -hmm. so you know somebody that so that's when we abuse with our havesy type type Mm -hmm. um you know living where where that person should be thankful because we're all rich in the united states well why don't you give them a thousand bucks then um i think the christians just had take these passages and they they don't just have an honest conversation real view yeah, and it's like you're right. It's like, well, why why didn't the widow like th- that angers me too that you bring that up because I've never seen that. It's like why didn't why why wasn't the widow taken care of? Why wasn't that the object mm-hmm. lesson? Because we're not in the you book know? of Luke, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happens at the end of this book <laughs> or the end of this chapter in Luke? Anyway, I'm just kind of going off there a little bit because because. Like I knew, I knew a guy that was a, 
past her that he like wore ratty clothes and wouldn't shower. Because he didn't want to be seen as a Pharisee. And okay. I'm like, well, how about just like take a shower and wear clothes without, you know, like stains and holes in them? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe I need a new perspective. But well, it seems the... like. Uh, oh, go ahead, Jake. Please, you first. Um, It seems like when we interpret the passage that way, we get really caught up on what the behavior looks like. Um, mm -hmm. when I think Jesus is talking about the judgments that we place rather than, um, the actions that we're taking in the marketplace situation, um, you know, yeah. are we, are we looking down on people? Um, are we trying to get people to look up at us, um, Right. But, yeah, because it has to be more than behavior because who's the other in Dubai <sighs> or Singapore? Like you go to Singapore and you're like, okay, is, is, does anybody like, is anybody houseless here? <laughs> like, I'd have to look at some statistics, but you I'm know, sure I look at some of the, I'm sure there are, but it's like, okay, who's the other in these different places that are like super wealthy, super like, Affluent. You know, affluent, yeah. Privileged, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, like, it has more to do with the heart of judgment. It has to. Christians well, are goofy that way, though. They've done, yeah, they've But behavior is easier to like manage this. than your thought life, right? Exactly. It's like, let's just make it all about what we wear again and drive versus pointing fingers and Our telling change. people they're going to hell yeah yeah okay did we make it to the end of chapter 12 we did we did there, is there any other thoughts are there any other thoughts that we have i think we're good for now <laughs> well we talked about enneagram and we talked about all <laughs> kinds of stuff well, I really appreciate the conversation today. It's it's fun to just noodle around and bounce around in these topics and to try to figure out meaning and try to apply them to our lives in a more real and honest way. So I really appreciate um, all of your in inclusion of your thoughts. So with that, thanks, Shreya. Thanks, Jake, for participating. If you'd like to support us, go to the Constructionist Patreon page or to go to our Give page on the link in your show notes that you can go to the give page and link up to um, support us in any way. And if you have any questions about tonight's episode, you can also put those in and we will either tonight or through the week, we will pick up those and respond to them. So good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us.